I've been in a series that has talked about what Christmas is all about. Today, when I talk about Christmas, is about our reaction. Since the season started, I've been talking about and drawing illustrations from the beloved Christmas TV show, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Last week, I focused a bit on the shepherds and the angels that are found in the scripture that Linus recites at the end of that show from Luke chapter 2, verses 18 to 14. I also talked about the baby in the manger and how the baby in the manger is important. But last week, I made it clear that the baby in the manger is not the whole story. The Son of God coming as a baby began with the fulfillment of a promise, a promise that God made to Adam and Eve way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when he promised after they fell that he would send someone to crush the head of the serpent. And that this baby would begin a process that would end in the crucifixion and in Easter, the resurrection of the power of sin being conquered for all of humanity. Today, I want to look at the reaction, because when you think about Christmas, let's be honest, a lot of the things we do and the decorations we put up and the parties that we uh, arrange and the presents that we buy, we want to give them to people we love and we want to gather with people that mean so much to us, but we also want to see a reaction. And when it comes to Christmas, there are so many aspects of the response that are important. And think about the shepherds and the angels, that interaction, and expand the story to talk about the reaction not only of the shepherds to the angels and the heavenly host that appeared, but we're also going to look at the reaction of two other people that were sent angels to give them information about the Christmas story, namely Mary and Joseph. And there's a couple of lessons I think we can all learn from and embrace and get a deeper understanding of what Christmas is all about. Now, when the angels appeared to the shepherd, the scripture says they were afraid. Luke chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse number 8. Now, they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The angels had great, wonderful news. And they wanted to bring it not only to the shepherds. This was to all people, they said. But before they could deliver their news before they could give them this wonderful piece of information that would change the course of humanity forever, before they could do any of that, they had to first address the initial reaction of the angels, and that was complete and total fright. Verse 9 says, the first thing they said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Seems like God has to say that to us a lot, doesn't he? Don't be afraid. We live in a scary world. At a human level, we have justified concerns for our well-being. We have justified concerns for those we love. We have justified concerns for our nation. It's a tremendous blessing to be able to experience a living Savior and realize 
who not only tells us to not be afraid, but then also replaces that fear with great news and glad tidings, a loving and safe relationship with the King of Kings. I don't have to be afraid of the state of this economy because I serve Jesus. I don't have to be afraid to fear the divisions that are in our world. And let's be honest, the divisions are everywhere because I serve Jesus. I don't have to be afraid of the tensions that exist within my family. Now, I know none of you have tensions within your own families. Your families are all peaceful and loving. I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> it can be tense sometimes, can't it? But even though those times when we gather together, especially around the Christmas season, and those tensions, although we pray really hard that they won't be there and they keep showing up, I don't have to fear them. Because just as the angels went to the shepherds, God comes to you and I and says, don't be afraid. I don't have to be afraid or fear what others think about me. I can still remember, although it was only a few years ago when I was in high school. And as I, tell, I told my sons growing up when they would highlight over and over again how not cool I was being about whatever the situation was, I would remind them I didn't care about being cool when I was in high school. It's this understanding that I guess my mother instilled in me from a young age, what I see about myself has nothing to do with what others see. What they see is what they see. I need to focus on what God sees. And although there are so many issues in our world today, I don't have to fear the world around me. I know, I know God will take care of us. I know God will never leave us. And because of this, he says, fear not, do not be afraid. The angel said to the shepherd, um, the shepherds, fear not. Hmm. I seem to recall in other parts of the Christmas story that an angel had to say the same thing to two other people. Something very similar. Go, go with me to Luke chapter 1, and I'll begin reading in verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to, the, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when he, she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your room and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called 
the Son of God. I think you would agree that it was a very wise thing for the first thing the angel to say to her was, don't be afraid. Yet it wasn't the first thing. By all historical accounts about Mary and the customs of the time, Mary is being approached. She is a teenager. She is about to have a wedding. She is a virgin. And the angel says to her, you are highly favored among women. And to provide just how favored, you're going to conceive a child right now. First, technically. And the angel letting her know she had nothing to fear was not in reaction to him telling her she was about to conceive. The angel first said to her, blessed are you among women. You are highly favored one, he called her. And it was this that she was troubled at. It was this that the next response by the angel was, do not be afraid. Image complex, godly humility, probably a little bit of both. But especially at this time of year, when there is so much assessing and judgment that gets done of one another and how things get done and how decorations get hung and how presents are wrapped, we need to tell one another this. You need to look into the mirror and tell yourself this, that you are highly favored one, that you are blessed and don't be afraid of that holiday party that you're going to go to tomorrow that you really don't want to go to. I know none of you experienced that. Then the angel has the big news to tell her. You're going to have a child like now. Her response was, huh? You want to back that up a little bit and say that again? I'm paraphrasing, of course. How can this be? Really? Yet after the million questions that, ran, that must have run through her mind, her final reaction that's recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, generally, we as Christians embrace the notion and really hold dear the mindset that with God, nothing is impossible. I mean, with God, nothing is impossible. Aren't you glad that with God, nothing is impossible? Absolutely nothing. So ladies, if the Lord wanted you to conceive a child right now, with God, nothing is impossible. Didn't hear a single amen. Nothing is impossible with God, but we need to keep in mind what that covers. God could call you to witness to people that scare the living daylights out of you because with God, nothing is impossible. God could equip you to do things that make you nervous because with God, nothing is impossible. God could ask you to help someone who is going to be ungrateful for your help and not even give any credit to you or to God. Because with God, nothing is impossible. And our honest response needs to be not what it normally would be. When we think about doing some things, I can't do that. You're right. You can't do that. But this isn't about as we as Christians walk this earth, what we can do. It's with God, nothing is impossible. 
all things become possible. Mary let the angel know and let all of us know that her life was in God's hands. And that's all that mattered. No matter what path he wanted her to walk on, she was his servant. No matter what path God asks you to walk, we need to remember we are his. We are his people, ransomed by his blood, and we can do anything in Jesus. She was facing public ridicule. She was facing societal shame. And she was facing shame that would create embarrassment not only for her, but for her family. The faith that Mary demonstrates is amazing, especially for a teenage bride-to-be. Her faith was stronger than her need to understand everything. Her faith was stronger than any thoughts of what people would say about her. Ever have anybody question, why do you believe in this Jesus? What's it benefited you? You still get sick. You still get angry. I saw you get angry. We were driving to the mall the other day. People don't understand. But just because they don't understand doesn't mean that the faith we have in Jesus isn't real and isn't the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. She understood faith in ways that would later be described in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My friends, the Christian life is our faith. It's about believing in Jesus Christ when you don't see him like they did in the early church. It's about walking a life of faith and of trust in an almighty God in a world that has turned its back on him completely. The Christian life is about a life of trust in Jesus for those things we don't understand. People aren't going to understand. Why do you waste so much time in church? Don't you realize Sunday morning, especially on a Sunday morning that's a little chilly and the weather is kind of questionable, you could be sleeping in. There's a story that my wife and I have known for years about a man who got up one morning on Sunday and told his wife, I don't want to go to church. His wife said, you have to. But I don't like anybody there. But that's okay. We're going for Jesus. But nobody there likes me. That's okay. We're going for Jesus. I don't want to go to church. And she turns to him and says, you have to. You're the pastor. It's a great, great story. And I suspect it's more true than the illustration, but... And all that negative energy and doubt that other people heap on us can inspire, let's be real, fear. But God says, as he said to the shepherds, as he said to Mary, don't be afraid. And Mary was going to need some strong faith because of all the people she had to tell, first, there was one person in particular she had to have a conversation with. Joseph. Can you imagine that conversation? Mary walks into Joseph's workshop. Hey, sweetheart. He turns to her. Hey, babe, what's up? 
I have awesome news. An angel of a most high God visited me. He says, that's amazing. What did he tell you? Well, he said I was highly favored and blessed among women. That's my special lady. Did he say anything else to you? Hmm. Yes. And then she begins to speak really fast. He told me I knew I, that he knew I was a virgin. I was going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and that it would be the son of God. So what you working on? Isn't that wonderful? And Joseph probably says, let's back up to, hey, sweetheart. Can you imagine what he must have felt in that moment? Can you imagine the complete hurt and betrayal he must have felt? His reaction was to end the relationship, the Gospel of Matthew says, but to do it in a way that would not cause her any issues, that would not cause her shame, that would not cause her any public ridicule. And I have to do a sidebar on just his reaction. That just because we as believers find out something incriminating or ungodly about someone doesn't mean we have to log on to Facebook. But that's a whole other message. Joseph did not go on Twitter or whatever it's called these days. But Joseph was not going to go through with this. So what he needed was the shepherds got. What he needed was what Mary got. He needed a visit from an angel. Matthew chapter 1, now I begin reading in verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph said her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while the thought about what he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. And the first thing, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Do not be afraid. This is how someone who is just handles news about someone that looks about someone and something that looks bad. He said he pondered it. As I said, Joseph didn't log on to social media. His hurt didn't stop his care. The angel assures him Mary is telling the truth and that God has a special role for him to play in all of this. And that this will require him to react, to respond in faith. Did you ever get a gift for someone and you weren't really sure how they were going to react? I think we all have. But you got it anyway. You were basically displaying faith. Christmas is a reminder of so many different things. It's a reminder of the goodness of God. It's a reminder of the grace of God. It's a reminder of the gift that we have in Jesus Christ and that our relationship with him will always require faith. The book of Hebrews in that 11th chapter, it says it is impossible to please God without faith in him. Trust that God knows what he's doing because it should be evident to everybody around us right now that the people around us, that the people in power, that the government of this nation have no idea what they're doing. 
and we're to trust God that he knows what he's doing, especially when we don't understand. When we don't understand why those we love fall ill. When we don't understand why his beloved nation Israel is attacked. When we don't understand why there's so much division. When we don't understand why there's so much division within the body of Christ. But we trust that God knows what he's doing. And we react to him in faith. Faith that brings hope, which we'll talk about next week. And faith that brings the other part of the scripture that Linus in the Christmas story with Charlie Brown commented on. Because after there was faith, there was praise. Church, Christmas is about worship. It's about the angels coming to worship. It's about the shepherds coming to worship. It's about the magi coming to bow their knees before Jesus and worship. Christmas is about worship and praise. If ever there was a time for God's people to open up our mouths and give Jesus praise, it's at Christmas time when all the heavenly hosts, where kingdoms from all around the world came to worship the baby Jesus. But it was through this impossible situation that God kept his promise to be the savior of the world. A savior we can have confidence in. One that requires a reaction of faith. Because without faith, we live lives of worry. We live lives filled with anxiety. We live lives filled with tension. But he came to give us a life based on faith. And not just faith in human nature. I've heard recently someone say about a situation, well, I have faith in human nature. I stayed quiet. Because all I thought was, how could you possibly? Well, I'm going to, and they went on with the conversation. I won't give the whole details. Well, I'm going to trust in the purity of the human heart. Oh, please. You're really, you've got great faith. No, I'm not going to trust in my heart. I'm not going to trust in my abilities or anybody else's. The base foundation trust for my life and faith is in Jesus, is in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's my response to the Christmas story. That's my response to all that he did and he taught and he healed in his ministry. And that's my response to the cross. That's my response to the resurrection. Faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's what Christmas is all about. The reaction that we have when we see that baby and realize, and realize that's the son of God. And he's come to help me. To help me get through the day. He's come to help me survive the New York City metropolitan subway system. He's helped me. It's, it's funny. I, I work in Manhattan three days a week. And I've had so many friends ask me, and I'm not sure why this year, but they've asked me, so have you been over to see the tree? No. No. Why don't you want to go see the tree? It's a tree. I've seen it before. When? Years ago. Well, go see this one. It's going to look like a tree. 
but it has lights on it. It's the same lights from years ago. Why don't you want to go see the tree? Because I won't be alone. I'll be with about 30,000 of my closest friends and relatives. But won't that help you get into the Christmas spirit? I don't need a tree for that. I don't need lights for that. I need faith in Jesus Christ for that. And faith in Jesus Christ inspiring in me the Christmas spirit means I'll have it in July, not just at Christmas time. This is what Christmas is all about, our reaction to Jesus.